Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, August 19th. Both boys are back at school, and we miss them desperately already. Although I must admit that our leftovers stopped disappearing overnight, uh, nothing worse than counting on cold pizza for breakfast and not finding any in the fridge. Anyway, enough about my problems. Let's talk about the CDC's problems. As I'm sure you read or heard from credible news sources like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and CNN, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky this week announced an ambitious overhaul of the world's leading public health agency after it struggled to manage the COVID-19 pandemic under the previous administration and, more recently, the monkeypox outbreak under the current administration. According to a widely quoted email from Dr. Walensky to CDC staff, she said, quote, my goal is a new public health action oriented culture at CDC that emphasizes accountability, collaboration, communication and timeliness, close quote. She said the agency's priorities will be preparedness and response, equity, global health, laboratory science and data modernization. That's according to Stat News, another credible news source. Now, I can't prove it, but Dr. Walensky may have gotten some of her ideas for reorging the CDC from our April 8th podcast when we talked about what we can do to repair our damaged public health system. We did that show in the spring after Dr. Walensky announced a top-to-bottom review of the CDC's operations that apparently led to her announcement this past week. In that spirit, we're going to rebroadcast that podcast featuring Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Mertzenson, partner at Transformation Capital. Please enjoy the rebroadcast of our April 8th podcast. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? We're playing baseball today. That makes me happy. All right. That's always a good sign. Julie, how about you? I was just down in Southern California this week for Health Evolution is, and I spent quality time with many friends of Dave. So Dave, Rob Freeman, Jan Berger, Paul Kusro say hi, and there were many more. Oh, wow. I wish I were there. <laughs> good group. Good group. <laughs> it sounds like you were in spirit. That's great. Thanks, Julie. Now, before we talk about our public health system, let's talk about our tax system. Dave, are your taxes done? And if so, are you getting a refund or writing a check? Haven't seen the results yet from our accountant, so I don't know the potential damage just yet. Last year, we had a sizable refund, which the IRS still hasn't paid. Thank you, IRS. In retrospect, I wish we'd just applied the refund to this year's tax liabilities. Sounds like it would have been easier. Thanks, Dave. Julie, how about you? Are you going to meet the April 15th deadline? And if so, is the IRS sending you money or are you sending money to the IRS? Yeah, I can't remember the last time I met the April 15th deadline. (laughs) So I'll be having a long spring with the weight on my shoulders. But yeah, I haven't gotten a, a good material refund in way too long. Got it. So you're familiar with the extension form then? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Mine are done and we will be writing a big check to the IRS. Actually, it will be coming out of our checking account automatically on April 15th. I will be very grumpy on next week's show. So uh, Ah. get ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of grumpy, 
a lot of people were unhappy with the CDC's performance during the pandemic. In response, this week, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky announced that an outside federal health official from HHS will be doing a one-month review of the CDC's programs and make recommendations on how to make them stronger. And three officials from inside the CDC will be reviewing the agency's organizational structure and make recommendations on how to make the agency more effective from that perspective. Dave, what grade would you give the CDC for its performance during the pandemic and why? What's your reaction to the CDC's self-evaluation? And what would you recommend to improve the CDC's performance? Winston Churchill once said about Clement Attlee, his nemesis in Parliament, that he was a humble man with much to be humble about. That's how I feel about the CDC right now. It's got a lot to be humble about. In terms of a grade, Dave, I'd give the CDC under Dr. Rochelle Walensky a C. When selected by Biden to run the CDC, Walensky had a sterling reputation for her infectious disease work at Mass General and Harvard Medical School. Since then, it's been hard sledding. Now, she inherited a very tough set of circumstances coming into her role at the height of the pandemic after the Trump administration had politicized and marginalized the CDC. So it was hard to do some rebuilding while right in the heat of the fire. There have been some huge swings and misses at the CDC over the course of the pandemic. It started under Trump, but it's continued under Biden. The failure to develop and distribute an effective COVID test, the failure to do adequate testing, the missteps on masking, boosters, quarantining, protective equipment and lockdowns, school closures and openings. The list goes on. Less well-known but equally important is the CDC's failure to provide adequate guidance on disease treatment. Overall, the CDC must bear some, though not anywhere near all, of the responsibility for the very high levels of COVID spread, hospitalizations, and death in the U.S. relative to other advanced economies. Walensky seemed to acknowledge this in her brief public remarks about the new investigation, the new report, when she said, quote, never in its 75-year history has the CDC had to make decisions so quickly based on often limited real-time and evolving science. It's a true statement, but it sounds a little defensive. Given these realities, I believe it makes enormous sense for the CDC to step back and take a thorough review. I hope they go down to the studs. Clearly, the government has neglected and underinvested in the CDC for several decades. Everything should be on the table for review. And specifically, they're talking about the nation's public health workforce, data modernization, laboratory capacity, health equity, rapid responsiveness to disease outbreak, and pandemic preparedness. Regaining the public's trust should be, and I hopefully is, the purpose of this review. The CDC has experienced major failures in operations. It needs to acknowledge these failures with candor, dignity, and the resolve to fix them with redoubled effort. If it can do this important work thoroughly and well, and with some humility, it can regain its self-confidence and position itself as the world's most prominent and effective public health agency. On the other hand, and what I'm fearful of, if the review tries to minimize the failures, deflect blame, the CDC could lose even more public trust and be even less effective when the next public health crisis occurs. 
I do believe that Dr. Walensky can be a transformational leader at the CDC, but it won't happen without a full accounting of the agency's shortcomings and a willingness to take all necessary remedial actions. Yeah, yeah. Transparency is key, I think, to make this thing work. Thanks, Dave. Julie, any comments or questions for Dave? So, Dave, you mentioned some of the focus areas like workforce, data modernization, rapid response, et cetera. All of these obviously need massive investment and overhaul effort, but which one do you think is the most important or perhaps the most foundational driver to create public health of the future and why? I'd say of these six, data modernization is the most important. When the U.S. was losing the war in Iraq, General Stanley McChrystal re-engineered the entire command infrastructure from a centralized command and control structure to a decentralized team of teams operating model. Data and analytics properly deployed at that time turned the tide in Iraq, and ultimately we ended the war on much better terms. The CDC needs to have the same kind of team of teams approach to combat disease outbreaks and spread And that's not even possible to think about that type of structure without full data modernization. So that's why I'd put it first and foremost, Julie. Got it, Dave. Thank you. Now, we've talked about what's happening at the top of the public health food chain. Now let's talk about the bottom. Thanks to a new survey out this week from the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials, Nearly 45,000 state and local public health executives, supervisors, managers, and frontline workers completed the survey, and here's what they had to say. 59% of the public health executives felt that individuals outside of their health departments undermine their public health expertise. 56% of all public health employees reported at least one symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder. 41% said they were bullied, threatened, or harassed outside of work. Got to love those anti-vax, anti-maskers. 22% described their mental health as fair or poor, yet 94% said that the work that they do is important. Julie, do the results surprise you? Why or why not? What can we do to help these people who are trying to prevent and protect us from public health emergencies? And what can we do from a market perspective? A lot of loaded questions, Dave. Of course. Of course. (laughs) I am not surprised. I mean, these well-intended, you know, highly specialized, educated, like people have been treated like complete dirt. And I've even seen articles that have talked about the harassment and hostility that they've received really constituting a form of moral injury. I will admit I had to look up what moral injury means. And it's a bit of a militaristic term, but moral injury results when soldiers violate their core moral beliefs and evaluate their behavior negatively. They feel they no longer live in a reliable, meaningful world and can no longer be regarded as decent human beings. They may feel this even if what they did was warranted and unavoidable. So this definition likens moral injury to killing and torturing prisoners and I mean, really ugly stuff. And now we're using this wording as it relates to public health workforce, which, wow, it's amazing. So, you know, I can't disagree with what's happened to them. What scared me the most when I was looking at all this was that in this workforce, nearly one in three public health employees are considering leaving their organization in the next year. And that's only about 5% of retirees. So 
there's a bunch of drivers for why. 49% say it's pay. 41% say it's you know work overload and burnout. Another 37% reported stress. 40% reported lack of opportunities for advancement. And 37% cited their organizational culture. So as I step back to look at what we could be doing, the first thing I saw is that we just need to get these people and frankly, everyone in America some behavioral health support public health departments, maybe the federal government, we should be looking more closely at their role in supporting access to assistance from innovative solutions out there that can actually really meet the massive access needs that probably are all over the board, even in this community. And I know it's super dreamy and unrealistic, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like a terrible idea to me. <laughs> but when I looked at the drivers, you know, my comments are much less about kind of quantitative strategies and more about how we repair an industry that's lost societal respect and one that really needs to transform, as Dave talked about. So, you know, on pay, it's a tough one because we know how governments can tend to pay. Uh, It's a generalization, but most of these folks may not be as money motivated. But when you're sitting in the middle of probably the biggest commercial boon in digital health and some of the life sciences now, it accentuates those disparities. And there's probably a huge magnet in those companies for public health people now. So there's an, you know, a real exodus around pay, I, I suspect. On the stress burnout part, we just need to give people a bit of a break and reinvest in them and re-inspire them and set a new vision in the way that they're talking about this revamp. People are tired and several are still stuck at home and we need strong leaders to move that forward. This next one, the lack of opportunities for advancement, is the one that was kind of most disheartening to me. Along with setting a vision for public health, we need to build the workforce of the future, redefine what those organizations look like, and recruit talent specifically to help those folks practice at, again, the top of their field or top of their license, as we would say in healthcare. And last on culture, I just come back to leadership. I can only imagine how difficult it's been to maintain any kind of strong culture when your entire specialty is being called into question. So it's going to take leadership and a diverse set of voices, honestly, to represent what people need in a way that actually meets what the requirement is to protect people. Yeah, we need to show them a lot of love. That's for sure. Thanks, Julie. Dave, any comments or questions for Julie? I just find it fascinating that both Julie and I went to the military to try to put things in perspective with regard to COVID. But I'm particularly struck by this PTSD-like characteristic of being a public health official in the United States. I mean, who signed up for that? My sense, Julie, is that the public backlash against public health professionals by some elements, certainly not all, but some elements of American society is part of a broader backlash against established institutions across the board. Do you agree with me on this? And if so, how do we build back trust in core public institutions, including those that promote public health? We all took civic classes growing up, but they've largely disappeared today. Do we need to reinvigorate civic education? Any ideas? Uh, It's a tough question. What I worry about is the younger generations growing up now in this era and never respecting top-down approaches and top-down driven, even kind of data and substantiation. And so it leads me to two things, honestly. One is this thing that we started talking about 25 years ago called the learning healthcare system. And our agencies and public health departments are going to have to be more 
continuous and iterative and frankly kind of crowdsourced in the way that they work with others. They work with different data sets. They work with different partners to really try to be constantly learning instead of very top down in the way they do things. The other thing that will make you laugh and probably think less of me is I really see the power of influencers over my teenagers. And we come back a lot in healthcare. How do you use rock stars or movie stars to make your point? But I remember growing up seeing these ad council ads, right? And I always liked the ad council ads. I thought they were really cute. And now advertising has become quite a thing. And there's got to be some way that we can make public health sexy again. So part of that's a scientific answer. And part of that's, frankly, the media environment that our society has turned into. Yeah, all good points. Make public health sexy again. Thanks, Julie. My daughter has her MPH and works as an epidemiologist with the Suburban Cook County Health Department in Chicago. She loves it and loves her job. But she finally understands me after all these years when I say, uh, people, they'll kill you. So she gets it now. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. And like we say on the Roundup, that is all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this special rebroadcast of our April 8th episode, How Do We Repair Our Damaged Public Health System? If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And if you follow our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming service, you'll get notified each time a new episode is available. Don't forget to tell a friend about Foresight Friday Roundup. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.